I just looked up reviews of this and it's got five stars in The Guardian, guys. Right, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it shows what I know. They're not neighbours, you know, where good neighbours become good friends. They are where good neighbours become killers, killers, killers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, there won't be a prize for the winner because we're all winners when it comes to watching TV. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, The Watchlist. We are going to be talking this week about Deadlock on Prime Video. Also, the other stuff that we've been watching and what's coming out onto our TV boxes over the forthcoming week. Plus, we've got some additional TV DNA chat to look forward to. But before we get to any of that, my name is Adam Hemming and I'm delighted to be joined by Damien Cooper. Hello! Grace Chapman. Ah, uh, hiya. And birthday girl, Isabel Dixon. Hello. Happy birthday, Izzy, for yesterday. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm 33 now, and I don't know if you know this, but 33 is the age that hobbits come of age in Tolkien's world, Lord of the Rings. So there you go. I'm officially a hobbit adult. <laughs> Will you be going on an adventure with a close friend to throw a ring down a volcano? I won't be doing that, but I will be going on an adventure with some close friends to chat about the new TV that's coming out in June. Amazing. <laughs> Probably over the next half hour or so. So we can rename ourselves the Fellowship of TV DNA. Excellent. There were hands that went up and then came down. Did anyone anyone else got anything there? I was just going to ask if you'd had your eye on anyone's ring. Well, oh. sadly not at the moment. All right. <laughs> Should we swiftly move on then to talk about... Uh, Prime videos, not the power of the ring, but the deadlock. Not the deadlock even, just deadlock. Ha- ha- show of hands first, who's watched this? Full house, brilliant. Kick us off then, Grace, what's deadlock about? So deadlock is about, I'm going to read the little blurb on Amazon, two vastly different female detectives are thrown together to solve the murder of a local man in the sleepy seaside hamlet of deadlock, I believe in Tasmania. And I think that sentence does not do it justice. I absolutely loved this. What it feels like is like a funny Tasmanian broad church. It's set in a very close-knit community in, in this very, like they say, a sleepy town. Everyone knows each other. There's a dead body that appears in the first 10 seconds. Obviously love that. And these two female detectives who couldn't be more different have got to approach this case and I just, the, my favourite thing about it was the, the complete contrast between the like gritty crime drama visuals and then the absolute comedy script. And I, I just had a blast. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, that dead body that appeared, we, we can't, we're not going to give any spoilers away on this, but there is uh, something rather brilliant and comedic that happens to that dead body within the first 10, 15 minutes of the show, which I thought was hilarious. Damo, what did you think? Yeah, I thought there's some really good stuff in there. I haven't gone back to it to watch any more yet. Like I was saying, it is a bit offbeat. I particularly enjoyed the lesbian choir singing live in front of the assembled people for the, the local festival in Tezzy. What, what a great choice of song. So you have to watch it really just for that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a unique community, I think, which is what makes it really quite special. They do say, you know, we've had quite a lot of lesbians move here in the last sort of ten years, and I think it's probably like like Tasmanian Hebden Bridge. <laughs> so Dulcie Collins is the local. She's a staff sergeant or su- sergeant senior, superior or something. Senior sergeant, she would like you to say. A senior sergeant. And she's very much the Olivia Coleman figure in this broad church spoof. Like my understanding is it started off as a broad church spoof. That's what they wanted to do, setting out for this show. And then as they were writing it, they got more and more into the mystery and the intrigue, and it's kind of grown from there. But that was the original intention. And then you have this sort of brash detective coming in from Darwin called Eddie. What did you make of Eddie, Izzy? I think both characters are great. I I found Eddie maybe slightly more annoying and a little bit harder to get my head around than Dulcie, which is not, it sounds more critical than I intend it to be saying that because I think both characters are great and they're so well written. 
but Dulcie is such a great character and such a great protagonist. But by the end of the episode, I was really, really kind of one round on it. And their, their dynamic is so brilliant. One of my favourite things about the show is just how many women are in it. And they're not making a big statement by that. There's no kind of, you know, it's not really acknowledged in any way. There's just, you know, a female mayor and a lot of the police force female and, you know, a lot of the main characters are female. And I, I love the fact they've just kind of done that. You know, there's no kind of big reasoning behind it. They've just chosen to cast brilliant women. It's it's really, really great. But yeah, the main two characters are fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree. I found Eddie difficult to really get behind because it's such a broad uh, portrayal of some and it it does veer to the into the unbelievable at times but I think because Dolce is so clearly the straight woman for want of a better term in this kind of comic setup the dynamic does work because everyone else is varying levels of batshit crazy I can't let Dolce pass that's the Italian in you Damien allora well, what's what's your- What's she called then? Dulcie. Sorry, this is what happens when you read stuff off IMDb. <laughs> you have watched the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about a couple of plumbers who live in Brooklyn, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I found Eddie a little bit OTT. I think the intention going in is this is the sort of David Tennant character who is over the top and out there and does things in a different way. You know, he's shaking things up just by their presence. She is on the extreme side, for sure. And like you, I I think I was fighting against it at first, but there's a few key moments where she really made me laugh. She sort of won me round and then I stopped fighting it and just went with it. And yeah, Dulcie's got her wife, right? Who is in said choir, a cappella choir. She's a really great character. She's, I don't know how comfortable she is in the relationship because she says, I love you. All right, bye, I love you. Bye, sexy, love you. Like, all, all day. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that central relationship. I've only seen the first episode. Um, I'm definitely going to watch more. I'm really enjoying it. It feels like they're in a relationship that's got a bit jaded and they're sort of, I don't know, it's it's not really fresh anymore. It's just a bit of a weird one. And you can, you can so see the tension and the things starting to crack, especially when Eddie comes in, who everyone originally thinks is a man. And then obviously they realise... She is, in fact, a, a woman. And, yeah, the, the wife's reaction to that of, like, he's a woman, that's a great line. From what I can garner, they were living in a big city where uh, old Dolce Vita herself was quite a big deal in the local PD. She was a detective, and I think maybe the job took over and the relationship has suffered, and that's where they've moved out to this rural community in Tassie, and she's gone down a couple of grades to senior sergeants. I wonder if, like you're saying, Isabel, that's why there's that stress in the relationship. And Eddie's not the only one that during the episode is gender mistaken and that the, the I think it's the police commissioner assumes that the corpse is female. There's a really lovely line about, oh, bodies are normally female in these sorts of things was kind of, a, I thought, a great comment on exactly what it's spoofing and parodying, really, which was lovely. I have watched all three episodes available to me of Deadlock, enjoyed it that much. And I will say that I think you're absolutely right about Eddie. There's a lot of really great comedy that comes out of the fact that she is that over the top. And then by the end of the third episode, you get some explanation about why she is behaving the way that she is behaving. And I think there's hints of that in in the earlier episodes as well. But by the end of the third episode, I was fully one round to Eddie as a character. Also really enjoyed Sven and Abby, who are the other two police officers. Sven seems to be able to get his hands on anything, but enjoys delegation. (laughs) (laughs) And Abby seems to be the only one with actually any police talent whatsoever, although she's engaged to be wed to patronising douchebag pathologist James. Yeah, and I think, obviously, as you said, it it started to try and be a spoof of a lot of the characters and structure that we know and well in crime dramas. But I really love that. It's got its own identity, definitely. And I really, I really love that. It feels like if you if you love your crime dramas, this is a really good summer option. What sort of comedy would you I think it is quite unique and different. But what sort of comedy shows would you 
liken it to? I think it's it's definitely like on the darker side of comedy, right? And it did have Bad Sisters vibes for me, partly just because of the kind of crime element running through it, but very female-led, very dark comedy, very like witty, silly in places, but also some of the jokes are also really clever and it sort of, yeah, it balances out really, really well. That's a great comparison. I think watch episode one simply for a moment when some police cars have to turn around and I honestly <laughs> just not stop laughing. I laughed out loud at that. I thought it was so good. Just such good visual humour. Watch for that. I think it's in the third episode, but there's a really simple piece of physical comedy around police tape. That again was just one of the reasons why I think it's so clever. Can we talk about Kate McLennan and Kate McCartney a little bit? I don't know. I didn't know much about them before this, but they started off with a YouTube show called Catering with a K. Uh, obviously, they're both Kates, which was like a comedy spoof cooking show. And I, I've watched one of those and again thought it was hilarious. It's very, very deadpan, inappropriate comedy. And then they had a Another show called Let's Get Crackin', with, again with a K, which was a spoof on morning TV shows. Oh, lovely. I was hoping it was going to be Giant Octopi. <laughs> Let's Get Crackin'. Crackin'. Oh. Oh. No. <laughs> um, I mean, what would you expect from a duo called McLennan and McCartney? Well spotted. Oh, wow. I haven't even thought of that, but now I'm thrilled. <laughs> made the show 10% better for me. Before I, I say this, I, is this a safe space? No. Yeah, of course it is. Maybe we should move on then. I don't know. Um, okay. Do you know what? I'm just going to be brave. I'm going to put it out there. I've never seen Broadchurch and I have no interest in watching it. Damien, I'd never seen it until this year. And famously, and I've talked about this on the podcast, I think I watched all three seasons over February and March. Honestly, I recommend it. I'd have the same hesitations, just being like, oh, is this really going to be that different? But I actually think the writing is great. It's really compelling storytelling. And um, Olivia Coleman and David Tennant are just amazing. But amazing as a duo, like their performances just complement each other so well. So I totally get your reservations, but having just done it very recently, I would, I would say go for it if you can. Well, this this is where I also need to continue the safe space. I don't really like David Tennant or Olivia Coleman. <laughs> nothing nothing personal, but I do find them difficult to watch. Damien, I'll ask you this. Do you like Pauline Quirk? I do, yeah, occasionally, yes. Season, season one. You just watch okay. her. Just fast forward through the other scenes. <laughs> I think Broad- Broadchurch is what turned me around on Tennant. I've always liked Olivia Coleman, so and I think she's brilliant in Broadchurch. But yeah, I'd always had a little bit of a question mark over David Tennant. I thought he was brilliant in Broadchurch, and it kind of made me go, "Okay, yeah, I get it." I don't think we're going to persuade you, are we? Um, let's see. I mean, you know, uh, never say never. Any final thoughts on Deadlock? Then should we move on? No, it's great. I'm going to carry on. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely going to carry on. That sounds like a recommendation from TV DNA. Let's talk about then what else we've been watching. Izzy, do you want to go first? Well, so we we did kind of really dither, didn't we, over what we were going to pick as the show of the week this week. So I watched one of our other possibilities, which was White House Plumbers, which was okay. I don't know that I'm going to carry on with it. I thought it was fine. It was not as good as I think I hoped and expected it to be given the, the sort of starry cast and the fact it's a real moment from history, which is really interesting. There's some really funny moments and some really good writing in bits, but it just feels like overall it doesn't quite hang together. I know other people have watched this as well, so feel free to share your thoughts and tell me I'm totally wrong if you loved it. I agree with you completely. I wrote, it's a bit all over the place. Is it tongue-in-cheek? I haven't seen any of it, but I have seen some tweets that have said that the first half of it is not necessarily the easiest watch. But towards the end, I think there's lots of praise for what Justin Theroux does. So I don't, I mean, I don't know, there's so much going on TV-wise. It's a big ask to battle through most of a series for a possible payoff. But I just wanted to put that there for balance. That is really interesting because I do think Woody Harrison and Justin Theroux are both very good in it they're definitely playing against type which I think is really interesting like they are playing 
men who take themselves very seriously but are idiots and there's something quite enjoyable about watching that from two really good actors who do it really well but yeah it's such a tricky one because it is it's hour-long episodes it's dense it's not something you can just kind of have on in the background you do have to focus on it so committing I think there's five episodes or six it's not loads but it's enough for a little bit of investment it's kind of on the maybes for me I'll, I'll see how I go I might might give episode two a go and then the other show that we considered watching I actually haven't got around to watching yet someone remind me what it is the Shane Meadows one it's Gallows Pole did anyone else watch this Damien do you want to say what you think before I kick off yeah sure so I got halfway through the episode I watched it with Raluca and it's really not the kind of show that she likes to watch it is the pacing is really slow and I don't necessarily think there's enough going on to warrant or keep you interested in such slow pacing it's tricky isn't it I mean it seems to suffer a little bit from what I would call Tim Burton Helena Bonham Carter Johnny Depp syndrome where the same people work together so often it just becomes a little bit samey that being said i will go back and finish the first episode but i don't necessarily have high hopes i'm afraid i hate watched the second half of the first episode because i was really not enjoying it i mean it it started well but then it descended into improvised dialogue hell there are literally four plot points in this first episode that are covered ad nauseum by the cast. There's no money in village. The guy's come back after seven years. His dad's dead and he's killed someone. That's, that's possibly a spoiler. So maybe I'll cut that one. <laughs> but... No, I mean, it, it isn't. I know that. And that's, I've only watched the first half of the episode. And then they talk, they just talk around these four things. Like beyond the main character, and maybe the Daisy from Downton character, you, you don't really learn anything about anybody else in the show. They're all indistinguishable as characters. And it's a huge cast of people all having the same or similar conversations. It was just, yeah, horrible. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't stick with it. If anyone's watched beyond episode one and wants to let me know that it's worth sticking with, then they might need to write me a whole essay to, to convince me that that's the case. But I just... Yeah, I thought this was the worst thing I'd seen all year. That is such a shame because I, I love Shane Meadows. And I think as well, looking back on his past work, obviously this is England, like he is the master of improvised dialogue. Like some of those scenes in This Is England that are improvised are some of the best ones. So that's a real shame that it's not it's not really come through this time. All I can say, maybe this is because I'm the actor of the group, but to call him the master of improvised dialogue, surely the actor's... I improvised the dialogue. So I've got I've got to stand up for my gang here. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. You can have that, Damien. I wonder whether part of the issue is they're improvising this period piece. Like this is 1700s, it's set in. And he wanted to put a sort of modern dialogue spin on that period. But I don't think the actors feel particularly comfortable in, in knowing their kind. I don't know. I don't know what level of research has gone into it or anything like that. Maybe they've been told, don't worry about the period. I feel like the period has kind of definitely impacted on their ability to convincingly improvise anything interesting. I just looked up reviews of this. It's got five stars in The Guardian, guys. Right, we're done. (laughs) I mean, it shows what I know, you know, right? Adam, I've never seen such a big look of despair from you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway... Anything else, Izzy, that you've been watching? Yeah, um, you'll be really happy to know this, Grace, and especially Adam, but I have now watched two-thirds of Love is Blind season four. I had nothing to do with this. It's not remotely like we were texting all weekend about it. I mean, it's it's an interesting series, isn't it? There's a bit where a grown man sings an acoustic a cappella song that he made up to a woman he's never seen before. And that sort of made me die inside a bit. Other than that, some real great bits. That's something you can't unsee. Oh, yeah. It's like your life before then and your life after then. Yeah, it definitely changed me as a person on many levels. But I'm enjoying it. So I skipped season two and three. I didn't think they were like super interesting. I really just sort of fell off the wagon. Obviously, Grace and I both loved season one. And I felt like it's got a lot of season one's chaos energy. 
Can I just say, Damien and Adam's face while we're talking about this is exactly how me and Damien look when Adam and Neil talk about Star Wars. Or how you look, Grace, when me and your partner talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> Same facial expression. Just the lights are on, but no one's home. <laughs> But yeah, highly recommend four episodes to go. Very excited. Probably, I'll probably get through that in the next two days. And be honest, it's compulsive viewing once you get into it. I guess my only question is, for those who also have only watched season one, or maybe haven't even watched season one, two or three, does it still make sense going straight into season four? I would say yes. It's not that hard a concept to grasp, to be honest. Um, But... You know, I, I think season one is the best one. They're not aware of how big it was going to become at that point, and that's that's quite fun. Can you, in one sentence or shorter, describe what the concept is for anybody who hasn't or isn't aware of Love is Blind? Grace, I'm going to let you do this. Love is Blind is a reality TV dating show where people fall in love and they haven't seen each other yet. With Nick and Vanessa Lachey. Move us on, Adam, move us on. <laughs> I would just like to say the other the other thing I haven't watched yet, but I am so excited it's back. I'm absolutely buzzing. This is going to be my week this week. Is another reality TV show, and it's uh, the Great American Barbecue Showdown season two. Now, oh, for, anyone who's not, <laughs> for anyone who's not familiar with season one, I will wax lyrical about how this is like one of the best shows out there. Imagine the Great British Bake Off, but instead of Britain, it's the Deep South, and instead of lovely delicious cakes it's whole hogs Amy's is dying in the corner there no this is a reality show I can get behind it's so good and instead of like lovely British bakers they're all like pit masters season one had a guy called Grubbs who had no teeth and used to barbecue roadkill and is there a sort of Mary and Paul style person is there a Mel and Sue like what we say in here yeah kind of there's like there's different judges I think there's two main judges. I haven't watched the first series in a while, but it's great. But it's also like, it's really chaotic. So as well as barbecuing loads of meat, they also have to make sides. Anyway, it's so good, guys. I got into it in lockdown. And honestly, I think it was the best thing I watched in 2020. <laughs> I'm not even ashamed to admit that. And just quickly, what, where, where can one watch this? Netflix. Of course. Worth your subscription, worth their horrible penalising, can't share your account with family members anymore. Honestly, worth it for this. Damien, I believe you've watched some reality TV this week. I have indeed. You're not going to believe this. I was ready to, to do a false there and say, God, I'd never watch reality TV. But I have indeed. I've watched two episodes of reality TV of a new show on iPlayer called I Kissed a Boy which is a reality TV show about a bunch of gay lads just ladding it up and pairing up and involves a bit of snogging. And the reason why I've watched this is because it stars someone who is a fan of the pod. Can you believe it? A fan of the pod is in this. Andy Wilson, isn't it? (laughs) Sharon Horgan? (laughs) So I thought you were going to say something, Grace. Uh, Amit Shah? Lovely work all round. I can't fault your your work ethic, gang. No, it was Jake Watkins who appears, I believe, in episodes six and seven, the two latest episodes. He is a a long-time listener and subscriber to the pod. He was brilliant. Uh, He has a catch. (laughs) The first thing he says when he turns up, which has now become his catchphrase, I believe, is, all right, lads, get your willies out. (laughs) (laughs) That's just me on a Friday night. That's not true. That's not true. I, that is not true. That's getting clipped up for the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, so I'll move on. So obviously I also watched a documentary on Netflix called Victim Slash Suspects that was suggested to me by another listener to the pod, Emily Allison, uh, and it is a documentary about how police, a particular police department, but how Legally, police are allowed to lie to people in interviews in America. And so what this deals with was a phenomenon of women reporting being raped and being coerced into recanting and therefore being charged for a false accusation and doing jail time. And it is heartbreaking. 
Yeah, I mean, Izzy and I, when you spoke about this on the WhatsApp group, Damien, I know Izzy and I mentioned Unbelievable, which was a sort of slightly dramatised version of, of exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, horrendous. I definitely will watch this. I'm really sealing myself because I can, I can see it really upsetting me. But Unbelievable is one of the best pieces of TV drama I've seen, I would say. So yeah, definitely worth watching both this documentary and that. And reading the article that Unbelievable was based on, which won a Pulitzer Prize, but it's a real, it's a real case and it is fascinating and heartbreaking. So that article that set off Deliverance is also what that documentary is about, I believe. So she writes that article and the documentary is that she has a crew filming it her as she goes about getting the information. On a lighter note, I watched Lionel Messi or Lionel Messi, Holon Destiny on iPlayer, which is a documentary about Argentina winning the World Cup and how the team kind of pulled together to make sure Leo won. Really good. Lots of really interesting interviews in that. I watched an old episode of Catching a Killer, a diary from the grave, uh, because I was working with the people who worked on that case uh, last week. So I gave that a good old watch. That's on Channel 4. I watched the first episode of The Days, the story of the Fukushima nuclear disaster on Netflix, a Japanese drama. It's pretty full on. It's hard not to draw comparisons with Chernobyl, but it's the storytelling is unsurprisingly very Japanese. And so I haven't been able to go back to watch episode two yet, but it is a really good series, which I highly recommend. And finally, I have finished previous, you know, watch list alum, Poker Face. I've watched the whole of the first series of Poker Face now, bar a couple of bum steers. I think it is an amazing series. Yeah, I've got four left of these. I've slowed my Poker Face watching down a bit because I was getting through them too quickly. I was enjoying them so much. I didn't want the experience to be over. So, so yeah, I've slowed that down. But yeah, looking forward to the final four of these. I think the quality has been maintained. Grace. Yeah. Well, I've carried on with The Last of Us finally and had the, the episode in the mall. Pretty devastating and beautiful. So enjoying that and, and looking forward to finishing that series. That's sort of been hanging over me for a little while. And then Friday night, I basically watched the entirety of season one of Somebody Somewhere in prep for season two coming out tomorrow, which I know we're going to talk about. But that's basically it. That's been my TV watching. For a second, I thought you said you watched the entirety of the first series of Somebody Somewhere in Pret. <laughs> that is a cry for help. Hey, I think there's worse places you can watch stuff than in Pret. They have free Wi-Fi. Are you listening to um, any podcasts to go with The Last of Us, Grace? You know what? I ha- I'm, due, I'm due a listen, guys. I'm due a listen on that latest one. It's definitely going to help me cope as I continue along. But yeah, really, really happy to be going back to that. I uh, really wanted to, and it's it doesn't disappoint. Sorry, by, by podcast, I did mean HBO's official podcast. Yeah, 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 same, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as you mentioned somebody somewhere, and the fact that it's coming out tomorrow, should we talk about that now, quickly? Yes, please. I watched this on your recommendation uh, late around Christmas time. I was catching up on shows and, and yeah, really, really enjoyed this. I find it hard to describe to other people this show. So how would you do that? Yeah, so it's basically about a woman called Sam who lives in a a small town in Kansas. And when you first meet her in season one, her sister's just died. And she sort of cared for her, I thought, in her final year. And she's sort of basically a bit lost, doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. She kind of is adopted by, um, as, a, as a friend, by this uh, one of her colleagues at work called Joel, who's this wonderful man, a wonderful gay man. And then they, she basically rediscovers her singing voice, doesn't she? And he takes her to something called the choir, which is at the local church. But really, it just it's kind of a very gentle very kind, very funny story about sort of her coming back to herself, really, and 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 having a purpose in life, and uh, finding a community of people who live a bit alternatively. It's a real celebration of living alternatively, I think, in a place that maybe doesn't celebrate that and is a bit faith and family. It's just beautiful, and it's just it's just gorgeous, and I'm really looking forward to season two. And it's, I think it's maybe half hour episodes, maybe six or eight of them. So, you you know, you can get through pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's a really easy and 
a lovely watch, I think, somebody somewhere, and I would highly recommend it. I wonder whether we're going to get a Ted Lasso crossover now that he's gone back to Kansas. Oh, my goodness. That would be so much feel good. But yeah, you also get um, Mike Haggerty, who I think viewers will recognise from other stuff, and Murray Hill, who I think are also brilliant in this. Um, Joel, who is played by Jeff Hiller, and he is one of the standouts in the show, I think, definitely. But yeah, Bridget Everett, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think if you are missing Ted Lasso and are worried about this, this could be this could be a good option. Uh, okay, well, I have watched uh, a few bits. I finished a couple of bits. I finished Primo, which Izzy talked about last week, and just, yeah, utterly adorable, very funny, a beautiful final episode, I thought. Really enjoyed and highly recommend Primo. I absolutely loved this series, and I am not ashamed to say that I shed a tear at the final episode. I thought it was really gorgeous. I genuinely, I don't I haven't checked or looked at all, but I hope it has a second season coming. And available free on Amazon. It's on Amazon Freevee, so you can watch it without an Amazon subscription. The other one I finished was Drops of God on Apple TV+. Plus. This was the wine competition between the daughter of a wine guide author and his Japanese student part French, part Japanese. I enjoyed it all. I think I feel like it dropped off a little bit in the final episodes. It was still an enjoyable watch, if not the greatest. Oh. Um, <laughs> but more seriously, like they set up so many lovely things about how she was accessing her memories and, and identifying smells in a really cool visual way and that didn't then carry forward into the final episodes and that was a bit of a shame for me because it was what made it such a unique show in addition to the sort of French Japanese cultural exchange. What kind of genre would you say? Would you say it was more comic or Pinot Noir or? (laughs) Yeah I I mean I don't want to be too negative I'm not going to whine about it too much. Um, Hey but it was a little disappointing at the end, is basically my, my point. But still a good watch. Didn't stick the landing. What is a great watch, which we have talked about, a previous watch list featured show, is Muppets Effing Mayhem. Has just got better and better. We talked before about not knowing who it was really for. It's for everybody. Literally everybody. The episode that's inspired by, uh, or a parody of, the Get Back documentary is amazing. really really brilliant so many guest stars you've got Susanna Hoffs Paula Abdul Morgan Freeman as you've never seen Morgan Freeman before Kevin Smith and Peter Jackson I suppose number one it feels like you didn't really say Susanna Hoffs with the right amount of emphasis I didn't want to belabor my love for Susanna Hoffs (laughs) marvellous and my second question is do you think you can just jump into that episode or do you have to watch everything else? No, I mean, there is there is a thread running through the whole thing. There's kind of a love story. It's part rom-com, part underdog band, misfit band sort of coming together story. But you definitely don't need to have seen the previous episodes to watch the Get Back one. But it would help if you've watched Get Back, I'm assuming. I think it would help if you're aware of what the Get Back documentary is. I've never seen the Get Back documentary. Okay, good. My final question is, if you would indulge me, is the animal stuff still a little bit problematic? Much less so now. Okay, that's good. But they follow up the Get Back episode with a virtual concert that they do in Minecraft. Oh, God. And it's absolutely genius. It's so, so good. Like the Minecraft episode... Almost as good as the Get Back episode. I've been turned around completely on Muppets Mayhem. I've got two left to go and uh, can't wait to finish it. Also still watching City on Fire. That's getting really good. That's on Apple TV+. Plus. There's a lot of build-up in that, but it's now paying off into a much more gripping storyline. And I think those were the main ones I wanted to talk about. I mean, I'm still watching Silo as well, and that's it. That's it. I've dropped a lot of stuff off my list. What are you going to do with all the time, Adam? We did talk about in episode 200, you guys curating a little watch list for me. So I've made some room in my watching schedule to see what you come up with. And this is something we've talked about doing potentially for listeners is to curate maybe a five show watch list. I'm saying plucking that out of nowhere. And I'm going to be the guinea pig for this. 
Great. Just want to check. Have you seen Married at First Sight UK? I'm just asking just at a random time, just asking that question very randomly. <laughs> I, I haven't, no. Um, what that's got to do with what we're about to do, I, I have no idea, Grace, but I've never, I have never seen it. We've been doing this podcast for long enough that I'm pretty sure you know where my tastes are. Pretty broad, I think. I think I've got fairly broad, broad tastes. I like a show I can sort of lean into, but also a show I can watch while I'm doing the washing up and always open for new experiences. <laughs> Much like the people on Married at First Sight UK. <laughs> oh, God. So is this number one then on your curation for, for Adam? Uh, is this the number one suggestion I'm hearing? Uh, uh, from me. Are we doing it live now? Yeah. Shit. Go on then, yeah. Okay, and, 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 and I should watch this just again, maybe one, we've talked about it before, but why? But like, all the things you just mentioned, Adam, you know, your curiosity. I think I need to pick an episode for you. I don't want you to go into any random episode. Okay, so you're going to give me a specific episode to watch of this. Apparently so. All right, brilliant. Damo, <laughs> any, any thoughts from you on... Yeah, I've got I've got three off the top of my head. Uh, are we taking it in turns or do you want me to just blurb my three? I'll blurb my three, why not? I don't even know if blurb is the adequate uh, verb for what I'm doing, but it's too late for that now. So I've mentioned in the WhatsApp, maybe even previously on this podcast... My first thing would be Underbelly, or as I should say, Underbelly, which is an uh, an Aussie crime drama available in the UK currently on Amazon Prime, I think we found out, didn't we, Adam? And so each series is a different, significant series of events in the Australian underworld, the dark underbelly if you will, all through different eras. Some are in the 90s. Some are way back, I think, in the late 19th century. I think we're looking at is, is another one. But they're really good. And if you don't like one particular one, you can move to the next series and it's completely different people in a different part of, well, no, it's still in Australia, but it's a different part of Australia. I would describe it as an Australian version of The Wire that's also a period piece. Would this be a good companion piece, The Deadlock, then, whilst I'm in my, uh, my Aussie frame of mind? Absolutely. I'd say it's not quite as comedic, but it's quite good. I think, yeah. And it's also one of those things where you go, oh, my God, I haven't seen them since Neighbours. Jeez. Uh, in fact, Jurassic from uh, Heartbreak High figures prominently, I believe, in the first series. So that's why I, I think D from Neighbours might turn up in one at some point. And these are all, obviously it's no, they're not Neighbours, you know, where good neighbours become good friends. They are where good neighbours become killers, killers, killers. <laughs> I, I did put this on my list when you mentioned it previously on the podcast. So, yeah, I'm happy for this to go on, on, the, on the watch list. It's an absolute ripper. And I think I might give it a second watch myself. Talking about other foreign language series because they speak an awful doggerel version of our language is La Gamora La Sirea on, I believe, Sky TV. It's available in the UK. It's a Sky drama. It's another underworld series based on uh, La Gamora, the film from, I'd say, 2012, I think it came out. Might have been even a little bit earlier. Uh, and this follows the well predominantly the savastano clan and it is brilliant it is an absolute humdinger of uh, an underworld show i think there's maybe five or six series now somewhere between eight and 12 eps per series and it is great tv don't use it to better your italian because they speak in a lot of slang from Naples. Now, obviously, Isabel, who went there for a quote-unquote holiday and not for a business meeting, uh, <laughs> might know some of it. But, yeah, it is. I cannot recommend that enough. I'd put that above Underbelly. Uh, this is it, Sorry, it's called Gamora. Gamora La Serea, so the Gamora the series. So I think you'll find it on Sky in the UK under just Gamora, and then it will just be the TV series section. It's huge. I went to Milan 
the November before last, just as the six series was starting, and there were giant posters for it everywhere. It's like a cultural behemoth in Italy, and rightly so. This is great. It sounds like I've got quite, two quite sort of dark shows in there. Is your third one a little lighter, or should I... Uh... I mean, it is a little lighter, but it does, for some reason, involve a little bit of the underworld. However, it's one closer to home, and that is Man Like Mobin, which is brilliant. Really, really funny. Gus Khan is so funny. He's a chap behind it, writer, director, probably sings the theme tune as well. He's not the director, sorry, he's the lead. And so it's your classic BBC sitcom, six series an episode, and we're going into the fourth and final series, starting on the 8th, I believe, or is it the 7th? And we've been waiting quite a few years for this fourth series, and big stuff happened at the end of series three. I think I'm going to have to re-watch it so I can remember everything. But it is a predominantly South Asian cast. There are some people who aren't South Asian in it, but it is a very specific part of the UK experience that we really do not see much on TV, not just because it's in the Midlands and everyone is really good. The script is pacey funny performances are brilliant some are a little bit bigger than others but still quite believable that's my big three underbelly gomorrah la sirea a man like mo bean yeah a man like mo bean obviously new season coming out on the 8th of june on the bbc so i watched the trailer for that and i hadn't really heard about it before you mentioned it on the whatsapp group and and seeing that it was coming out this week. I did enjoy the trailer. I thought it looked really, really good. So my in-laws are all from the Midlands. So Izzy and Grace, any other suggestions from you for my for my watch list? So I've got a couple. Grace okay. has had a turn. Sorry, yes. Oh, you married at Site UK. Grace has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Looking slightly ashamed. No shame. I've got, I've got a couple of suggestions. So my all-time favourite comfort show is Parks and Rec which I know you've never seen. It's really fun. It's very much the same kind of, I would say, feel as Ted Lasso, which I know we've just finished. But it's got that nice balance of being incredibly silly with some really funny jokes, but also quite heartwarming. And it's just a great ensemble drama. I feel like everyone, ensemble drama, ensemble comedy, like everyone has a really distinct character and it just gets better and better. I would say the first season is fine, it's not anything massively special. It's only six episodes, and I think you can get through it quite fast to get to the good stuff, and it sets up a lot of things. But season two and then season three, it really takes off and becomes one of just the top critics' comedy picks for best comedy shows. It's so, so great. Um, and also some great cameos as well. Yeah, and so I believe Brooklyn Nine-Nine came about as an offshoot from Parks and Rec, so Adam Sandberg is in one of the episodes, I think, in Pest Control. And yeah. they're all chatting and they're having a good old laugh making that. And then they decided, I believe that's what started off Brooklyn Nine-Nine was a conversation. Yeah, was so Parks and Rec started as a not spin-off, but a, I guess kind of side show of The Office. So very similar sort of setup with it being kind of mockumentary. Um, and it's Greg Daniels and Michael Sher who both worked on The Office. I think where the first season of Parks and Rec isn't great is it's it's slightly trying to carbon copy The Office. So Leslie Nope, who's Amy Poehler's character, is very similar to Michael Scott. And it's when they let the characters do their own thing and they will sort of change and evolve and the cast clearly get really close and start inputting that it becomes really, really great. So the first season, it's not bad and it's it's worth seeing it set up, but it's, it's kind of famously one of those shows that really takes off in sort of season two, maybe start season three. I would say it's also Rob Lowe's best role. He starts at the end of season two and he is genuinely hilarious. One of the best comedy characters. And you wouldn't expect him to Rob Lowe, but it's great. Agreed. Yeah, when he comes into it, it really, and Adam Scott, it really, really just excels. He is literally one of the best things in the show. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll get that joke once you've watched it. It was funny when Damien did it without any context. So, uh, yeah. Um, this has been on my list for for quite a while, and, and it's probably just the final push I need to, for me to start watching it. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say I think you'll also maybe have a certain affinity with Ron Swanson, Adam. Okay, 
What was your other one, Izzy? So my other one, this is a little bit of a cheat one because this show actually has two series. And the first series for me, I think it's one of the best bits of television that I've seen in years. It's so great. I, I think originally it was pitched as just a kind of limited season, one season, one story. And they did then make a second season, which came out last year. I haven't watched the second season because I heard it wasn't great. And I loved the first season so much that I've almost kind of been like putting it off a little bit. But it's Upright, which is on Now TV and is Tim Minchin and Millie Alcock. I guess it's kind of a bit of a kind of road buddy comedy with Tim Minchin being sort of washed up rock star who's driving a piano across Australia for reasons that are revealed in the show. And Millie Alcock is this teenager that ends up hitching a lift with him. And it's sort of what happens as they travel across Australia. It is brilliant. It is incredibly moving. It's so funny. Millie Alcock is the best thing in it. It's this way, way, way before House of the Dragon. Um, I think one of her first roles. And she is like, you cannot stop watching her. But it's, yeah, really brilliantly written. Beautiful kind of setting because they're just crossing this massive landscape. Really silly, but at the same time has this brilliant story that you you kind of get revealed as the series goes on. And yeah, that that first season for me is like one of my all-time favourite series of TV. It's so great. But as I said, this is a bit of a cheat because there is a series two that I haven't watched because apparently it's not very good. So watch the first one, keep an open mind, make a decision after that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's valid and fair. It's like, you know, I'm recommending this based on season one. Yeah, 100%. Man, I, this is this is tough because I think I can only put five on the, the watch list, right? And I'm going to I'm going to take Man Like Mobeen out of the reckoning because it's a it's a new show and I might watch it anyway as part of the whole new shows coming out thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Mm. But then I've got um, that leaves still leaves me with a six, doesn't it? Gosh, no, I think I think it does leave you with five. Is my maths Damo, wrong? Damo recommended three. I recommended two, and Grace recommended one. And Damo's three, including man like my bean. There so we go. don't worry, you don't have to cut Married at First Sight UK. <laughs> I can recommend another one if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. That, I mean, that wasn't going to be my suggestion. I'm more than happy to give Married at First Sight UK a watch. Like my reality TV tastes tend to veer more towards the sort of competitive side of things. They tend to be more like Bake Off or Hunted or The Traitors. That sort of stuff is generally where my reality and this feels less, less competitive. But I, you know, as I said, new experiences, totally up for it. If you like those kind of shows, Adam, my recommendation is American Barbecue Showdown. Don't <laughs> you be coming in there with that now, Izzy? <laughs> Again, I may just watch that because I think it sounds brilliant. No, I think this is a really, really good list. Very, very excited about getting into all of these. Grace, I'll await notification of which episode of Maths UK I should watch. Thank you very much. All, I'm, I'm very excited. I will, I will do my best to watch one episode of each by next watch list. And then we'll see. I'll give you my feedback. And maybe there'll be a prize for the winner. Uh, no, there won't be a prize for the winner because we're all winners when it comes to watching TV. And if you, oh, I mean, maybe this is a feature we'll trial a little bit longer. So maybe we'll do one of the others of us or we'll see. Maybe we can get a special guest along for a watch list episode. Somebody we know, maybe, who might be interested in in getting a curated watch list from the TV DNA crew. I vote we make Damien watch Broadchurch. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, God. You know what else will really change your mind about David Tennant? Jessica Jones. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not convinced. I, lo- I love Jessica Jones. I'm not sure it will sway Damo. I think Broadchurch is the better bet there. We'll chat about this more. Let us know, listeners, if you think it's a feature worth continuing with. We're going to do it anyway. Uh, should we talk about what's coming? What's, what else is coming out this week? We've covered a couple of these. Sorry, as you go. I'm going to have to go. I'm really sorry. I've agreed to do something with my housemate at half eight. No worries. No worries. We've run yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks, Izzy. Bye. Yes, we are running long, but Let's talk about, we've covered some of the stuff that's coming out this week. Should we just talk quickly about what else is coming out this week? Uh, yes. Shall I kick off? Go for it. With The Idol, uh, which is out now as we record, Monday the 5th of June on Sky and Now TV. And this is a show we've talked about before. It comes from Sam Levinson, the creator of Euphoria and The Weekend, and stars Lily Rose Depp been a much talked about show, but it's set against the backdrop of the music industry. And the synopsis of this goes, 
after having a nervous breakdown that caused the cancellation of her last tour, an aspiring pop star begins a complicated relationship with a self-help guru and the head of a contemporary cult. It also stars Dan Levy. So, so it stars two Nepo babies then? Yeah. Big time. It might be a theme of, of what's coming out this week, Nepo babies. Oh, God. Did you watch the trailer? I've seen the trailer, but yeah, I've seen the trailer before. I think... I mean, I never really finished Euphoria. I know it got a lot of acclaim, but the main thing that I'm really distracted by with this is how skinny Lily Rose Depp is and it stresses me out. And I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but I don't know. It just makes me worried for her. But anyway, let's talk about the actual TV show. I mean, we should say there's going to be a lot of nudity and and lingerie in this, but I think that's partly what the show is all about and something you probably would come to expect from a Sam Levinson show. I was just going to say, but what about Lily Rose Depp? Is there any nudity or lingerie that she's wearing? (laughs) Not that funny. (laughs) I'm really intrigued by this show. I think I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's for me necessarily. I don't think I'm necessarily the target audience, but I think if you love Euphoria, then you're probably going to be really into this. It looks like it's very visually stunning. Like the trailer is just visually compelling, isn't it? So if it's in this lives in that world, then it's probably probably similar to that. It's interesting. There's been a lot of stories about kind of issues around the making of this show, but then a lot of the people involved in it have come out and said, well, there are issues in making any TV show. It's just that these ones became more public and have been defending the show sort of quite vociferously. I'm intrigued. I'm gonna watch the first episode and see see what I think. I'm just really curious to see what the fuss is all about. I think you'll be one of many people who are like that. Well, we've talked already about Somebody Somewhere and Man Like Mobeen. I don't think we've got anything we need to add to those. But also out this week on the 9th of June. Anyone want to take this? Yeah, I'll take it. It's on Adam's Apple TV Plus on the 9th of June. It's called The Crowded Room. This is set in Manhattan in the summer of 1979. A young man is arrested for a shocking crime and an unlikely investigator must solve the mystery behind it before the true criminal strikes again. Starring Tom Holland. Ah, little is that a uh, Spider-Man? It is Spider-Man, yeah. I do know stuff. And Amanda Seyfried, and also starring Jason Isaacs and Layla Robbins. Okay. Layla Robbins, obviously, Pamela Milton from The Walking Dead Grace. Of course. <laughs> So what, we're just looking at a sort of 1970s crime drama, really, uh, with maybe some sort of serial killer element? Yeah, I think that's what we're looking at. I, again, I've watched the trailer for this. I think it looks gorgeous, as all Apple TV stuff does. Very excited about Tom Holland and Amanda Seyfried. So yeah, I will, I will obviously be watching this one. Is this Tom Holland's first big TV thing? Uh, yeah, I think it is. I, don't, I can't think of anything else he's done TV-wise. I'm sure he has. Yeah. Oh, well, sounds cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it does sound cool. Maybe we should make this our watch list for next week. Yeah, The Crowded Room. Yeah, I'm up for that. Or The Idol. I'm kind of intrigued by The Idol as well. Damo's shaking his head. Damo's out on The Idol. Okay, well, okay, let's (laughs) let's put a pin in that for now. Let's just see what else there is coming out. So do you want to cover the next one, Damo? I would love to. So on Adam's uh, Disney Plus, there is Saint X or Saint 10, depending on how you feel about Roman numerals. When Alison and her younger sister Emily and their parents vacation at a plush luxury holiday resort in the Caribbean or Caribbean for our friends across the pond, everything seems more than ideal. Cue stunning views, relaxation, complete enjoyment and meeting new people. When Alison doesn't come home on their final night, police go looking for her. And several days later, they tragically find her body. It stars Alicia Debnam Carey of Fear the Walking Dead and Betsy Brandt from Breaking Bad. And that starts on the 7th of June. I sort of this one had passed me by a little bit. And then I saw that Alicia Debnam Carey was in it, who is one of the best things in Fear the Walking Dead. And that sort of piqued my interest. And I do think I will at least watch the first episode of this. The trailer I thought was really intriguing. It has kind of, I mean, it's been talked about as having sort of White Lotus vibes. I think 
really only does in terms of the location, but it feels a little bit more like the resort, which was the Sky Now TV show that was out last year, which had the whole kind of people going missing storyline in, in similar uh, vein to this. Uh, but I did think it looked like a good trailer. I think there's sort of different timelines going on. I'll give it a watch. Okay. There's a few more bits out this week. So we've got the Arnold documentary out on Netflix on Wednesday the 7th. This is a three-part documentary covering the three parts that are Arnold Schwarzenegger, bodybuilder, film star, politician. <laughs> if it leads, we can milk it. <laughs> There's also Significant Other, which is a comedy on ITVX, which comes out on Thursday the 8th starring Catherine Parkinson as Anna and Youssef Kakor as Sam. And they are neighbours who begin a hesitant relationship after being brought close to each other by dramatic life events. So that is a thing that's happening. Uh, that's that's something people might be interested in, in watching. If you do, do let us know what you thought of that show, because I probably, with everything else that I'm going to be watching this week, I may not find time for Significant Other. So should people want to tell us what they think about Significant Other, Adam, how can they do so? They can do that on the social media at TVDNAPod or by emailing tvdnapod at gmail.com. We've got a bit of news to cover and then our, then our general admin's done. But the, the first piece of news I wanted to talk about is that it's not that Witcher Season 5 has been announced, despite Witcher Season 3 still not out until the end of this month. It's the fact that there've been there's been some movement on our on our polls. Now we've been doing polls for most of our episodes on Spotify. So if you listen on Spotify, you can engage with our polls. Now our succession poll, our succession finale poll has had some engagement. The question was, now it's all done, which team are you on? There are two days left on this poll at the time of recording. So by the time we get this out, may only be one day left. The winner at the moment is Team Kendall. I thought you were going to say Team Roman, and I was going to say, yeah, Neil's obviously been at that. <laughs> team Roman, zero votes so far. Second place is Team Shiv, and basically yeah. everyone else is in third place. Or last. Team Kendall. All right, then. Glory hunters, man. It's, hot. it's sickening to see people jumping on the bandwagon. I just have a question. You mentioned about our poll. That's got nothing to do with Peaky Blinders. No, no, that's uh, that's Paul. Um, I don't even know what's her name. Paul Gray. Yeah, Polly Gray. Polly Gray. Yeah, this is Spotify poll. Poll. Right. Okay. Is there any other news, Grace, that you might have been particularly interested in mentioning? Just something small. Just something small that blew up the internet. So only that Kim Cattrall is going to appear in Just Like That Season 2. I know, guys. Just contain yourselves. Calm down. It's very exciting, Adam. But hang on a minute. Didn't Kim Cattrall famously fall out with Sarah Jessica Parker? Famously. And what we do know about this little cameo is that she it's, it's, she's on the phone uh, and she isn't with anyone else. There's no one else in the scene with her. And we do also think that... Uh, what's his face? Michael Patrick King, the showrunner, also wasn't there. So she's sort of coming in on her own terms, I'd say, and not getting remotely close to anyone else on set. Would you say SJP has gone full Tom Wamsgams just gobbling shit up for the money? Well, I'll let you know. I'll watch the season and let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, very exciting for Sex and the City and Just Like That fans. I won't be watching it, but it comes out on 22nd of June, the new season, doesn't it, Grace? It does, yeah. And they did release a longer trailer and I am quite excited about it now. I think it's going to be quite... I think it's just going to be fun. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'll report back. You're lucky uh, I didn't put it on your watch list, Adam. Have you ever seen Sex and the City? Yes, I've seen Sex and the City. I mean, no, I think... just bloody watched The Godfather. Don't give me that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to double-check something about And Just Like That. Uh, it's it's got nothing to do with the life story of Tommy Cooper. <laughs> no, definitely. I think I've made that joke before. Sorry if I have. Yeah, probably when season one came out, and just like that. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's worth repeating. Grant, are you done? Are you done? Do you want to talk about what's coming up in June? I think we've covered plenty. Yeah, it might be worth mentioning because I know she listens. 
She's a fan of the show. But on the 12th of June on BBC Best Interests, and we have, as I said, fan of the show Sharon Horgan with Michael Sheen, not Martin Sheen, as Adam might call him. And it's a new drama created by Jack Thorne, uh, which will tell the heartbreaking story of two parents fighting to keep their daughter alive against medical advice. Wow, that that turned in that sentence, didn't it? Uh, released in two chunks, 12th and the 13th, and the 19th and 20th of June on the BBC. Yeah, and obviously we, we're coming off the back of having done sort of specials on, I mean, we did episode by episode for Succession, but we've also just done Ted Lasso, The Mandalorian and Yellow Jack. It's been a busy couple of months. So I am quite happy with us just doing our weekly watch list episodes for a little while. Yeah. But I know the TV DNA fans want some special content from us. Um, and Best Interest was one I thought maybe, just maybe, like a, a one or two episode special on that show, on that BBC show, might be worth having a little look at. So we'll discuss this off air, because although there is lo- there's loads of brilliant stuff coming up in June, I think we all need a little bit of a, a break. And so maybe we'll do maybe we'll do one or two little specials here and there. But otherwise, you'll hear our thoughts on the watch list. Well, if you do want to, if you are missing our, our voices in your ears and you haven't yet listened to all 201 episodes that we put out there previously, then I do recommend listening to episode 200 where you can hear us talk about the shows that we've covered before and dipping into our back catalogue. But we'll be back next week when we... Did we decide what our watch this episode was? Crowded house. Crowded room. (laughs) Crowded house. You never know how many crowded house songs you like, uh, as the advert famously once went. Or you forget how many... It doesn't matter. Let's get rid of it. I'm sorry. I'm slowing shit down. Yes, the crowded room on Adam's Apple TV+. Okay, the crowded room it is. That's the show we'll be watching and talking about next week. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Grace. No, I I, I, I don't know. I was just saying, okay, we're in a hand signal. <laughs> okay. <laughs>